Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be reviewing one of the biggest Star Wars releases this fall, the book Aftermath. We have two announcements. Both of them happen to be from the gaming world. From the website Star Wars Underworld, it appears that Star Wars Battlefront Beta will be launching on October 8th. So those of you really looking forward to playing the game, check out your favorite game systems and see if it's going to be there on that date. What time? We don't know, but it's going to be on October 8th. Also launching today for the iPad is the Disney Infinity Toy Box 3.0. Those of you, like me, have your Star Wars figures and do not have a gaming system to play on them, well, your iPad, you can take them into and play with them there. You may not have the full game. That will be launching at some point later this year, but you can still enjoy your figures and enjoy the game the way it is. If you have an Android uh, system, please check the please check your store as well because it may, be, may have launched today as well. So, with those two announcements out of the way, William, would you like to take us into the episode rundown? Yeah, except before I do that, to, uh, one, one quick thing. Uh, there is a rumor courtesy of a Star Wars post on uh, Reddit, it looks like. So, you know, who knows this is actually true. But it's okay. exciting. There's a rumor that there will be two new pieces of Clone Wars legacy content coming next year. Uh, a story reel with about Ahsoka, Tano, and the Underworld of Coruscant, maybe 1313. Uh, and then uh, a new comic uh, kind of finalizing what happened with uh, Darth Maul and the Mandalorians and all that good stuff. So uh, who knows if this will actually happen? Uh, again, take it as a, as a rumor right now, but that would certainly be exciting to get, get a little more Clone Wars uh, content. And uh, you know what else we're, is happening? We're getting very, very close to, uh, to the premiere of Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels. I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited. I can't wait. Uh, some users at, I think, um, New York Comic Con uh, get to see the uh, the episode early. But I believe you're, I believe you're correct. I think they are going to be seeing it at the New York Comic Con Lucky Devils. Yeah, but we are uh, just a few weeks out, actually. A few weeks out. I think it's uh, the 8th, I believe. Uh, so just like a week and a half away, two weeks away. So, um, the countdown is on, but before then we need to review the big, big book, Star Wars Aftermath. It's written by Chuck Wendig and, uh, it's all about and what now. happens after the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, you know, the second Death Star has been destroyed. The Emperor's killed. Darth Vader is struck down and, you know, kind of turned back to the good side. And, uh, and the Empire, the Rebels, I mean, have struck a devastating blow against the Empire. Uh, major, major victories for the Rebel Alliance, but the battle for freedom is far from over. So uh, let's, let's start by uh, kind of talking about the... Uh, before we get into the... Do you want to talk about the basic the, the plot overview first, or should we delve into the, the characters maybe? Uh, I'm, I'm I, I was thinking it might be interesting to like talk about each of the characters individually, because this was... In many ways, I felt a character-driven novel, um, yes. even more so than some of the other books. 
And, and I, I will I, say this this one. I feel like this book could have uh, benefited from a dramatist person. A. Uh, they did not have one. <laughs> What's so funny, Tom? Yeah. I, I well, I, I think the book would have benefited from. I'm going to say this a little bit of a footnote on how to read it, because I know I've read the comments, and and I've I've read the book, and I understand that that um, um, Chuck Wendig has this. Interesting writing style. I, I will say that. Okay, let's. let's uh, um, I guess we're you're... doing this right off the bat then. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. I'm going to make this quick. I'm gonna okay, make this no, quick. no, no, no. Feel, okay. feel free. Let, let, let's. Let's. Uh, let's talk yeah. about the book itself, and then before we dive into the plot and characters. So let's talk about the, yeah. the writing format and everything. Okay, the, I, I am sorry to do this, but the, the, the writing style for this, as long as you understood how to read it, I, I understood. Okay, I understood how to read the book once it was explained on how to do it. But when I pick up a book to read, I don't – it's almost like I really don't need a, a cliff note to tell me how to read the book to understand it. Once that happens, the book wasn't as bad as I think a lot of people have been, been going after it because I'm of the curious, writing style. Tom, why, did you, why did you feel like you needed uh, cliff notes on how to read the book? I'm just curious. Because I'm, I'm not uh, – okay. Because I'm not used to a writing style with very short sentences I see. in some cases. I'm also not used to a writing style, which literally squirrel. Um, I'm I'm used to. I mean, I read a lot of books. I, I read like Dale Brown. I've read Tom Clancy. I read a lot of techno thrillers. I read. I've read a lot of the Legends universe. I've read the Timothy Zahn's. You know, you know my, um, you know my opinion on, and I keep forgetting her name because you're not supposed to say her name about the Mandalorians. So, I, I read an awful lot, and there's writing styles that I like. And then there's writing styles that's kind of hard to get into. There's one author out there, his name is Harry Turtle Dove, that does a very good alternate reality thing. It's a very hard writing style to get into, but once you understand it, it's not that difficult. Once you get over the, the learning curve of a hump, in this case, it felt like with this writing style, I needed that little bit of the learning curve of, I think it was Leland Chi who said, or, or it was Pablo Hildago that mentioned if you think of it as jazz and how you know eclectic that is, the book isn't that bad. Which I understood that musician in my old days, still kind of am, and, and I can understand it. And once you got over that hump, then I could understand how to read it, and the book read better. Yeah, so. I mean, I'll say it read a little. It was a little difficult getting into it when I first started, and I don't. I think I want to disagree with you. I don't actually mind short sentences. I think my issue was there were so many of them in a row. I think that and was my biggest issue. And what I find is that when you have a bunch of short sentences in a row, it, it becomes a little more monotonous and it's all not quite as engaging. Um, I By the time I was, I'd say, like four or five chapters in, though, I'd completely forgotten about it. And, and, and I, I, have to, I have to agree with you, Stephen. I think that's probably when I got the, the cliff note on how to read it. And then I got past it. Yeah, so I think there's there's that. I think go, there's there's go ahead. Three, I mean, I, I, there's three aspects of the writing style uh, that are, I think are distinct, and some might bother people more than others. Um, personally, I kind of liked it. Uh, I say kind of because I, I I don't think it was it's not like perfect, right? Um, mm. Now I, I I I like to you know write pretty well. I'm no expert though. Um, but 
he he has so there's some things where he the the way in which he writes is not always structured uh, properly, right? He'll 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 leave things out. Um, he'll have uh, you know, sentence fragments, that sort of thing. That's that's one aspect of that, and I think that that is perfectly valid criticism there. Um, that that's related to his unique writing style, where um, he's much more casual. He writes more like you would talk uh, than mm-hmm. than maybe you would read. Uh, and actually, that part of it I really liked. You know, um, it's it's unique. It was kind of refreshing um, the the way the way he does that. And then he also writes in the present tense. Uh, which I, I also kind of enjoyed as, as a unique thing. So the, the two things I liked was the fact that he was writing the present tense and the fact that he was a little more casual. Uh, it's kind of refreshing and a slightly different style than you're used to. Then there's the stuff like, oh, well, and by that, and by that style, I mean, um, you know, sometimes he'll do short sentence, really short sentence, or uh, he'll um, maybe kind of not reveal something right away and then uh, and then do it, you know, kind of make you kind of, Think one thing's going to happen and switch it up, or just be more really casual, mm-hmm. like just like you're writing a conversation. Um, the other thing though is like, okay, well maybe you're, you're missing, um, you know, like a bunch of sentence fragment fragments, or you're missing various things, um, or you know, I think sometimes the the spelling of a character's name would change uh, from one page to the next. That kind of stuff I think is all valid criticism. Um, now, as a that, that I actually never paid attention to. Now, as I a didn't I, I didn't notice all. that one myself, but I saw someone else comment on it. Uh, I will I will caveat this by saying, and I think this is important, um, because I, I think with with aftermath, um, I really wanted to read the book, but I wanted to get through it as quickly as possible because we, one we had to review it the book, uh, and two, I was just excited to find out what happens, uh, and so what I ended up doing was buying. Uh, I got the the hardcover. Uh, I bought uh, a copy on uh, the, the I got the copy the hardcover from uh, from Delray. Uh, they were kind of to send us all a copy to review. Uh, I got thank you the book on Kindle so I could read it wherever I was. And then I also bought it on on uh, on Audible in audiobook form. And I really like I, I'd forgotten it's been a while since I read uh, a Star Wars book in audiobook form. I remember growing up I used to get tons of Star Wars books from the library. And I would read um, either the paperbacks or I would read, or, or the hardcovers the library had them, uh, or I would just listen to the audiobooks. And so I grew up le- listening to a lot of the Star Wars, the EU books in audiobook form. And I'd forgotten how much of a, um, a production they really are with the sound effects and the music, and it really makes you feel like you're, you're, you're in Star Wars. Um, so with Aftermath, what I ended up doing was flipping back and forth between the... Uh, the Kindle version and the Audible version because it, it tracks your progress. So uh, there were a lot of times where I listened to it and not did not read it. Right, so in that case, the some of the his writing style actually works better, I think, in audiobook form. Um, and there were other times I would I would read it. You know, if I was at home, I would read it. If I was driving in the car, I would listen on audiobook. So anyway, I think uh, maybe I missed some of the 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 criticism because I was going back and forth between formats, but it was kind of fun to, to, to listen to the book and read it at the same time or switch back and forth between one or the other, depending on uh, where I was at the time. So anyway, that's my brief comments on why maybe I didn't notice all the issues, but I actually really enjoyed the writing style for the most part, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's been yeah. a big, it's been one of the big 
controversial topics. There's been a couple things about this book, but well, I, I think right now that that we've got it out. Let's just get into the actual character discussion because it's nice to have at least within this book there was a character that ties into the actual Star Wars universe. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, but so hang on. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, well, now wait a minute. Wait. What Tom says is what I mean. There is now, a wait a minute. In, in the, the, you know, the, the films. Yes. Okay. But. He ties into the films. But if somebody would like to pick it up from there, at least it was somebody tying into. Because a lot of this book was a bunch of new characters. At least we had somebody tying into the destruction of the second Death Star. Is that a way to say it? Because you know. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's let's. I mean, let's let's actually dive into this. Um, Yeah. So let me let me take this one because he is my favorite character of all time. So, of in all of Star Wars, I would say that Wedge Antilles is my favorite character. And yes, a lot of that is because of how much I've read of the like the Rogue Squadron series, which is also my favorite Mm -hmm. book series of all time. I should say X-wing series because it includes Ray Squadron and stuff as well. Anyway. My point here is we start the book off with Wedge Antilles on a scouting mission. I'm like, oh, this is good. I Like, I love Wedge. Favorite character in Star Wars. I am so here. Mm-hmm. And he, and then he gets captured and spends the rest of the book as an Imperial prisoner. And we, so, get, we get the occasional scene with him, which I thought was mm-hmm. good. But overall, I was just, I wanted more from him. I wanted him to be a main character and i was kind of disappointed that he wasn't so you were saying he was underutilized in this book yes okay he is a fantastic I, character no he was severely deserved. underutilized like oh, i would totally. say you could probably count his the number of lines of dialogue on one hand well maybe that's going a little far but he spent to, pretty much the entire book it's just the dialogue spirit. itself we did get to see his spirit you know as resisting imperial torture and the defiance of being a rebel. We even get some hints to a backstory that are new to, uh, I don't want to say the expanded universe, but to the Star Wars universe in this case. Wedge's mm-hmm. old backstory was that his parents worked on a tanker, like a fuel tanking station in Corellia, and some criminals you know, took off in the station, lighting on fire and killing his parents. And the Empire did absolutely nothing to prosecute them because the like criminals paid them off or something like that. Okay. And so Wedge all fired up uh, he becomes a smuggler for a little bit at first with Booster Tarek, and then eventually becomes a rebel. And we do get a mention of a fuel station that his parents worked at, or his family worked mm-hmm. at, but we actually get a hint of a deeper backstory. There's a mention of Wedge talking about um, some lost love that died in a previous sometime in the past. Legends universe, maybe? Well, it's interesting. I Wedge, just... like, I, I mean, I get, so Wedge does get... I'm trying to remember, who does Wedge marry? In the Legends universe. I think it's Winter, isn't it? Is it Winter? I thought um, it's so. Yeah, I think so. I thought so. Uh, oh, wait, I, no. It's no. driving me nuts. I don't think it's Winter. It's driving me nuts, too. Uh, oh. Okay, hang on. I need to look this up. But, anyway, while we're talking. So, Wedge didn't have this sort of tragic backstory previously. And, again, one of those things that would have been really cool if they'd explored it more. They could have done it through, through the torture scene. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say, just, just like while while um, they while they invoked Wedge's name uh, and kind of used him as the uh, he's kind of the reason 
some of these the MacGuffin events. He's got the MacGuffin, right? He's 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 a MacGuffin. He's why the rebels are, are on the planet to begin with, for the most part. Um, and he's the he's the fans tie in to you know the the universe that people are familiar with, right? And all the characters and the, the films. Um, but really, the book is about Nora Wexley uh, and you know a, a, a few others. There's actually a, so this is going to be tricky when we're talking about the characters because there's a huge huge cast of characters in this book. Yeah. Uh, people come and go. The um, I'll, I'll mention this really briefly. And we'll get we'll get into more detail uh, you know further down. But uh, the book is divided up. Uh, Every once in a while, the chapters are, are broken up by interludes, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into the interludes in a bit. Yep. But I at least want to say that, you know, uh, a lot of times you'll get, you know, uh, an interlude, maybe Mon Mothma or, or Akbar or, you know, Han or, you know, these, this random group of people you've never heard out, about before but somehow tie into, um, you know, The Force Awakens or, or other things. And so you get this really big cast of characters, not to mention the the actual novel with tons of new uh, imperial officers and rebels and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of people. So right here we're just going to focus on I think the the, the core cast um, and and maybe a few others. So yep, just want to set the set the tone there. Set for the our, stage. Set the stage oh, for our conversation. That works for me. So we've got this new I'm character. Still trying to find who who we married. We've got this new character yep. named uh, Nora Wexley, and she's really the star of the book, uh, I would say. She and her, her son, Temin. Uh, Nora is uh, kind of recovering from some uh, the she was, at the, the... she was at the Death Star 2 battle. Yes, yes. Is, and, and, it, and it weighed on her. She's, I, yeah, she was actually, so she was one of the Y-Wing pilots, and I feel bad for her being a Y-Wing pilot, but that may be a personal thing. Um, so she's one of the Y-Wing pilots who was actually inside the Death Star 2 and is told by Lando to try and draw some of the Imperial fighters off her tail. Mm-hmm. And as you imagine, flying through the crowded corridors of the Death Star or being attacked by TIE fighters as it explodes around you, not exactly a calming experience. And yeah. we learn throughout the book her background is her husband was kind of a rebel on the planet, and she... Uh, she decides that when he's taken by the Imperials that she's going to go out and find him. And that goes, I don't know, about as well as you'd expect, which is she joins up with the Rebellion and never finds him again. But, you know. Well, you also forgot something. She left her son. The big piece is she chose to leave her son, Temin, behind. And on her home planet of Akiva, which is where the majority of the book takes place. Right. She left and after the Death Star 2 battle, she comes back having... Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. She... So at the end of the Death Star 2 battle, she's like, okay, like, I spent, you know, years trying to, like, escape my, like, running, like, not being with my son and trying to do all this stuff. I'm done. Mm-hmm. But is she really? I mean, she was. She's. I don't know. She she wasn't done. She's still. Well, and so <sighs> that that's kind of her character arc throughout the entire like story. I'd argue is she's trying to focus on her son, but at the same time, she can't not be with her son. 
And I... Right. It was... I found... So, honestly, like, when you're talking about her being the main character, I thought she was one of the weaker parts of the book because I felt like she was very one-dimensional. I actually think her son was more... Her son and then the ex-Imperial officer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed her character, and they, they kind of set her up for yeah, I mean, future I, adventures. I would agree. Um, she spent most of the uh, book going like, oh... I like I need to save Wedge and Tilly's, but no, I must protect my son. But I have to save Wedge and Tilly's. No, and like it, I don't know. It got kind of tiring. Yeah, it got kind of tiring because it was duty and honor to get Wedge, or I am here to say, or get my son off planet. Yeah, and 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 the funny thing is, you know, she left her son, but her son actually made a life for himself on the planet. That's what was very interesting, although. For me, as I was reading it, when you first read it, he had that little bit of Ezra in him. Again, I'm going to say that little bit of Aladdin because he was a scoundrel and a street rat who was able to make something of himself because his mother left. You yeah, know, he so, was a junk dealer. So Temin is at the ripe age of 14. And one of the reasons I had trouble sympathizing with Nora is 14 is really young. He's too young, really, to be on his own. Mm-hmm. But... Temin is left with his aunts, and they very quickly, like, he, they were not able to control him. And so he's been living his own life. He has his own junk shop. He has Mr. Bones, a battle droid that he built to prote- protect himself. Can I mention how one? much I enjoyed Mr. Bones? Did I you guys agree. like him as much? I, especially the, uh, oh, the yeah. audiobook version. I think Mr. Bones is really great. He's a, he's I, a, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, battle droid from... Uh, the Phantom Menace, right? Uh, an old Trade Federation battle droid that's been retrofitted and is is actually pretty cool. I I, I enjoyed Mr. Bones, I, his his character and uh, he's very goofy, um, but not over the top. Um, he kind of reminded me like um, uh, HK forty seven. Yeah. In some ways. Anyway, I I really enjoyed. No, it. I. I very much agree. So, um, and actually, though, I was kind of expecting his Roger Roger to be a little on the annoying side, but I was pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised that it wasn't. Roger Roger. For me, they didn't use it as often. Yeah, but they didn't use it as often. Right? No, that's true. And I did like, they even mentioned that uh, the battle droids, these are the worst soldiers of all time. And that actually was they good. They sat around making dumb jokes all the time, which I thought was kind of a funny nod to... The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. No, to- totally agree. You know, and then he also within within his junk shop, there was a secret door. This is an interesting thing that hopefully, well, that's a question for if they go into the secondary book or go into the second book, are they going to explore that underground city anymore that he had underneath the shop? Yeah. So or is that all? Temin, Temin is a junk dealer, and underneath his junk is his treasure where he collects scrap and things of value, including a weapon, or we later find out a bunch of random information cubes. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a local gangster and it's connected to this big under- underground city. And I, I don't know. I was hoping for more out of that. I think. Well, we did get something from that because weren't they chased by some creatures that were down there? Yeah. I so mean, at least, later on in the at least there was something to where it, it, it was, it wasn't there just so he could hide something. There was at least something to where 
it made it, even though it was creepy, it made it, okay, we'll say it made danger a dangerous part of the book to where they had to get away from these creatures that were down there. Right. Yeah, I, so Temin has a thing, which we'll cover more when we start getting into some of the plot. He, the entire time his mom is trying to take him off planet, and he is firmly of the opinion that he wants to stay there. Which is, I mean, he's made a life for himself. I think that's kind of a reasonable thing for him to want to do. And so he's adamant that he doesn't want to leave. And uh, as part of that, he ends up kind of very briefly stabbing the rest of the characters in the back, the rest of the rebels in the back, by selling them out to the uh, local crime lord. And we get a bit of the some, you know... I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. But overall, and then he very quickly changes his mind, redeems himself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I uh, it, it was interesting. It was very interesting character and uh, an arc. I don't know. Uh, I thought I, I thought Nora was was fine. Tem and I enjoyed more, and, and Mr. Bones. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we've got Sinjir and, uh, and Jas Amari. So now, well, I, the, the, the Sinjir character was a very interesting one for me because I, I, I know he was an ex, ex-imperial loyalty officer, but he reminded me a lot of the old Russian political officers. And yeah. it's like, did he ever explain what pushed him over the edge to basically make it uh, to, to to basically oh what was it? Um, so we do find out a little bit. So yeah. we know yeah, he, he, he was, was, on, was on Endor, right? It. And he was looking at right the at the some dead Imperials, I think. Or he's rebels? on Endor. He's covered in blood. He's got rebel armor on him, which is when he meets Jas for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think so. He talks about it a lot, and I wish we'd gotten a little more time inside his head because I thought he was a really interesting character. But he's a real loyalty loyalty officer. He talks about how he was trained to see the weakness in his fellow Imperials so he could root out corruption and weakness in them. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the the not good people in the Empire, which is a lot of them. And he says he eventually came to look at the weakness in the Empire as a whole. And I wish we'd gotten more time of him exploring that and trying to understand... Like, because he talked, there's a little bit about, like, does that make me a rebel? No, I'm not a rebel. I wanted to see more of that because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, because it's like an internal fight with himself because he's seeing evil within the Empire, but I really don't think he was seeing it as he was a rebel because he was doing what the Empire wanted him to do. And the guy had a drinking problem. Yeah. So you could tell that internally this was driving him crazy. Yeah, he, he he was a. I don't know. I, I like the idea of the ex-imperial loyalty officers and how he was able to use that to his advantage at various points of the book. Because mm-hmm. he's the guys that he's kind of like, you know, he, he he's the guys that the imperials fear, right? Uh, if it's not right. Vader or the Emperor or someone, you know, some some really high up officer, it's Sinjir who's going around being at, at will. Basically, it sounds like he can go around and effectively say, you. 
you're not loyal. Boom. And they're, you know, thrown in the... Right, they're gone. Thrown in in the detention block, they're killed, they're whatever. And he really has complete power. And also the kind of irony that this loyalty officer would himself uh, betray uh, the the Empire and and leave. Uh, It's really great. Really great. I, I... I enjoyed it quite a bit, uh, that dynamic and, and the character himself. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sinjir was, was pretty cool. Uh, and then we also have Jas Amari, a bounty hunter who's now working for the New Republic. And... This, and uh-huh. Sorry, go ahead. And he's tie, he has ties to Sugi from the Clone Wars. I believe... She. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. She. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, ties to Sugi from the Clone Wars. Uh, who's, I think, Ant? I looked her up. Aunt she Sugi? was, yeah, she, it was Aunt Sugi. She was a character, I think, in the box. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan yeah, I, on cover. Yes, yes. No, you don't, you don't, you remember, you don't remember Sugi? No. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't look it up. Sugi's great. Anyway, I have to go look she was in up. a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, Clone Wars episodes. Uh, as soon as I saw Sugi, I was like, oh, that's, that's so cool. Actually, the number of Clone Wars references was... Uh, was was really great. There were so many references. Oh, uh, we we find out what happens to um, oh now now I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh, geez, I know but, what you're talking about because yeah, but so Captain he's Rex. he's totally in. Uh, uh, he's we get a, an interlude with with that character and you find a little more detail. So uh, uh, we'll we'll go into this more shortly. But uh, lots and lots and lots of Clone Wars references, which. Uh, I personally really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Jazz was kind of underutilized. Like, again, a character that started really strong and Mm -hmm. then got progressively weaker, I feel. Yep. But then, uh, so moving to the other side of the aisle, if you will, we had our dear friend, Admiral Sloan. Yes. Oh, she got now, pretty quick. first she? scene. Well, in new... how how quickly really was it? Oh. So well, yeah, Sloan. Been... Sloan, if you guys will remember, was in A New Dawn. She was the uh, captain at the time. Was that it? Yep. Uh, yep. Captain, and uh, she was she was the captain of the of the, of the ship, um, the Imperial ship that's that's going after uh, Kanan. And, uh, and Hera. And it was really cool to see her return, but now as an admiral, and much much higher up. An admiral with a lot of power. Oh, I mean, I mean she's really, basically running really the empire. Power. Right? Yeah. Well, okay. Okay, well, I mean, we'll that's not I... quite true, but effectively, nah. she was the one who called this summit. Yep. You know, post-Endor, with... Uh, uh, with all these great characters, and I think we should we, we should get into we should probably talk more about Ray as well. But we she has and I'm gonna blink on on all of their names. Uh, I still don't have the. So there's Crassus, uh, who is the banker. Yes, Crassus. Okay. We have Pandion, the self-proclaimed Grand Moff. Did we have? He remind me of. He, he, whenever I heard Pandion, I always thought Pelayan for some reason, even though they're different. Very different characters. Oh, they were very different characters. Very different, but for some reason, it always reminded me of him. Anyway, please continue. Um, we had Shale, the strategist. Yes. And you also 
was Shale the one that was hooked to the Empire uh, Emperor? Or, no, uh, that's no. Uh, Tashu, I believe. I think you're right. Who I'm again? I'm, one I of those. Right now. So Tashu is the Sith acolyte, kind of. He's not Force sensitive, mm-hmm. but he's got this really interesting. I may have his name wrong, but yeah, no, it's I'm not, it's right not Tashu. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Um, it, it was a pretty cool name, whatever it was. I'm uh, looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Where was it? I don't have the book next to me, unfortunately. It was so great, I remember tweeting about how awesome his name was. Uh, Yup Tashu, that's what it was. It was it was Tashu, but it's okay. Tashu. At least that's how they pronounced okay. it in the audiobook. So Yup Tashu, I think, is a pretty cool name. Yup Tashu. That... He had this really interesting thing where he's like, ah, yes. Cause they're all, so they're all getting, we'll talk about this in a moment. They're all getting together to talk about the future of the Empire and how it should be led. And he's got this ridiculous line where he's like, ah, yes, we should take the Empire beyond the edge of the galaxy. Palpatine knew there were forces of the dark side out there. And then they never mention it again. Yeah. Which yeah. maybe a, maybe a, a little point that's going to come in later on. Maybe something, I don't know, awakens out beyond the edge of the galaxy. <laughs> but... I loved his ties to the Sith, though, and how, how much he, he, he enjoyed the Sith and uh, kind of uh, knows all about it and, and kind of... He, he was very much like... You could see he was like the Emperor's right-hand guy uh, in, in many ways. I, I really like Yup to shoot quite a bit. Uh, he was always the one advocating the, the Sith point of view in, in their meetings. Um... So, uh, was there anybody else we're missing? Arsene Crassus, Yup Tishu, General Jillia Shale. Right uh, she was the Army uh, strategy and tactics expert. Uh, nice Ma Balto Pandion, uh, and Admiral Ray Sloan, and Surat Nuat. And Surat is the local gangster. Yes, yes. And so they all had this big meeting on uh, on the planet. But before we get into that, I, I guess we're jumping. Yeah, I want. Okay. We want to talk about the character first. What did you think of Ray Sloan? I think, like I said, she was the one that had a lot of power in this book. But we learned toward the end she was. I believe she's the front for somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so I want to. I don't. Should we touch on this now? I yeah. Think we don't, I, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Why reason not? To so tell- we're gonna skip. We're going to skip an issue that I want to talk about at length, but we'll get there in a moment, I promise. Um, so at the end of the book, so Ray, ca- sorry, let's, before we jump to the end, Ray calls together a, uh, all of these Imperials to try and decide the future of the Empire, which, uh, and we'll discuss in a moment why they need to decide it, because that's the thing I have great issue with. And she's trying to figure out, okay, are we are we a democracy? We're not really a democracy. Do we rule by a council, which is a nod to the council we see in uh, Crimson Empire? Are we going to rule with a dictator, like you know, someone with power? And Ray is trying to decide where she believes the empire needs to go. And kind of against her, she's got Moff Pandion, who's kind of trying to maneuver around her. Classic Imperial backstabbing. Correct. At the very end, after they're all dead and she's escaped, she meets with uh, a mysterious figure. Who, Admiral. What? Oh, I guess she does call him Admiral. Yes. I think she does call him Admiral. Grand yeah. Admiral. Does she say Grand Admiral? Pretty sure he's a Grand Admiral. Let me, let me double check. Hang on. Hang on. Got uh, the book. 
Uh, and I just closed it, but I think I think you might be right. sworn he was a grand admiral. Let's see. And she also she also in a way chews him out because she she did sit there and say you almost killed me. Well, and so that she, I do remember. So he reveals this mysterious character reveals that ah yes I was uh, testing you. If you survived, wonderful. If not, well that says a lot about you. And well, I'm sure we'll talk at length about who we think this character is. But what that made me think of more than anything was that uh, Ray is the new Peleon. Yes. And it really, that started to bother me because she was so similar to the role he plays in post-Return of the Jedi. And you, you don't like that? I do not like that. Because you wish it was Peleon or? So, and this, so my issue is thus. When I, if you're going to introduce a new character, do not make them a same character, but new. So, for example, William, I'm going to kick you off the podcast. We're going to get another Star Wars fan who works for Microsoft, who works on OneNote, and is basically <laughs> you, but his name is Bob. Like, that was the... the <laughs> Like, I mean, it was... I, so I guess I guess that's one way to look at it. Is the more the the glass half empty side. I I, oh, I feel no, like I... in this way they they're trying to. I feel like by by if they were to call the character, Palant, right, uh, you would instantly have people saying everything in the past then must be canon and like you know Palant's canon and I feel like that has a lot of baggage. Versus saying, well, this character was so great and we want to have a nod to this character, so we can't call him that name, but they'll basically be the same character and have similar types of things. Uh, as like a nod to the fans, like, you guys love this. And it'll be different stories and slightly different situations, but the, the core of the character is kind of the same. And so I feel like it's kind of a throwing a bone to the fans of Legends, almost. Like, you can't have the same character because it would cause too many problems, but here's somebody really, really close. Okay, but wait a minute. Why why can't you have the same character? Because I I know I know the theory is going to be throwing out there about who this Grand Admiral is. I'm hoping that it's the one and only you know who that starts with a T with an H. So I mean, why not throw that bone? You're I, I don't see what the problem so is. So I would I could also because wait, I, I, well wait I, right. I'll say this. I do remember I did go to that that presentation. I think it was at WonderCon a couple years back. Pablo Hildago is on stage and saying, "This is why we are not part of this big company because of all these characters. Why grab all these characters and some great characters that the reason why you bought it for, you're not going to completely change their names or do something different with them, but keep the essence of those characters, but do something different with them." Why not? You've got this character everybody loves. This one author wrote the character beautifully. Use the character. Bring him into the universe. Boom. I don't care. He's canon. Done. Were it so easy. I know. Isn't that a pain in the butt? Yeah. And I'm still trying to find who the Grand... If uh, if she calls him Grand Admiral. She doesn't in the last chapter, but... Um, okay. Thank I, know, you. I know Akbar is a Grand Admiral. Um... Okay, but Maybe he's a this character at the end is not a grand admiral, but so I I would also enjoy it if it were Thrawn. I do not think it is. That being so, I take that back. It's possible. What I actually thought was interesting is the character that it reminded me of more was a certain 
character from Ray's first novel, Vidian, which we believe he is dead based on that novel. Mm. But this character makes a number of references to, ah, I did this because we needed to, c- to cut out the inefficiencies, the corruptions out, which is always something that was Vidian was talking about greatly. That's and true. Ray was attached to Vidian. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, oh, see, the only downside of that is I wasn't a big fan of Vidian. Neither was I. In the book, however, opinions can change because I remember in my review of uh, A New Dawn, I said I was not a fan of Rey. Well, I, I thought she was kind of bland and didn't have much to do in A New Dawn. In uh, Aftermath, I really liked Rey a lot. Uh, and I don't know if it was just because a different writer or what, but I thought Ray was a really cool character in this book, and I was not a fan of her uh, in the past. Yeah. So the mm. difference is, in my opinion, Ray she's filling, like I said, the same role that Pelion did, which is not everyone in the Empire is bad, and it is leading us. So, well, again, so we we also got in this book, I believe, the first real confirmation that the Rebel Alliance becomes the New Republic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the speculation after Celebration 6 was, why are we seeing something called the First Order and the Resistance? No one's familiar with those. And one of the things that I think we speculated at the time was what we're actually seeing was... uh, I'm suddenly blanking. Oh, that what if the Rebels and the Empire have kind of reached peace at this point... And what we're seeing are splinter groups from each. A a hardcore faction of the Imperial Remnant that is trying to, uh, you know, restart the war. And the resistance that the New Republic is funding without trying, while still trying to be neutral. And that actually kind of fits, I feel, with what we're seeing in this novel. Like, Rey is showing us that, ah, she is the one who, if she were to form the Imperial Remnant, we'd be like, eh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll buy it. You seem like a good person. I believe that, you know, there's goodness in you. I know. I know. There's <sighs> still. Anyway. I I thought she was a good character. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Ray quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, and then you have a couple other characters. We'll, we'll, we'll go through these real quick. Actually, I think we covered most of the main ones. Those are the big ones. Uh, we did. Those were the main ones. Mon Mothma had some appearances. Uh, we talked about pretty much everyone. And then there was Admiral Akbar or Grand Admiral Akbar. Uh, and he, he really doesn't show up that much. No, but I I had to put him in there because he literally spends the entire book wondering if it's a trap. Yep, he literally very true. That's, that is the entirety of his role in this book. Yeah. And and basically, the way that I remember him in this book, he is so gun-shy on doing anything. Because after Wedge basically disappears, he really – I think he, people have said, why don't you go send a bigger fleet? He's like, no, let's just – no, because it could be – let's just send this little itty-bitty thing. You know, let's let's send – I think it was a probe first. And then the probe gets destroyed. And then somebody's like, okay, well, send something bigger. He's like, no, let's send a ship. Let's just put a single ship out there to monitor what's going on. You know, which is true. It's like, you know, 
do something other than just the whole time wondering what's going on and if it is a trap. Because it yeah. isn't toward the it isn't until toward the end then he finally sends a fleet. Yeah. So Okay. Can I so we are we ready to go into some of the plot stuff? Yeah. yeah okay. I, I think we're done I with the have some serious ranting to do now. Uh oh. Okay, here we go. Okay. Guys, here when we is this go. when is this book set? Uh, th- so they are not specific. I found that they've done this quite a bit with the new books. They don't want to establish yeah. the exact timeline and lock themselves in like they did in the past. So, um, I would assume it was, it's within a few months of Return of the Jedi. So, okay. That sounds good to me. A few months of Return of the let's Jedi. Say between a month yeah. and three or four. That would be. So, let's, oh, let's recall what happened at the end of episode six. So the Rebel fleet makes this do-or-die attempt against the second Death Star. Right. Uh, It turns out to be a trap. The entire Imperial Starfleet arrives. Or probably not the entire Imperial Starfleet, but a huge portion of it. The Super Star Destroyer Executor, and God knows how many Star Destroyers. Like, we've... There's that scene where the you know the the ships turn around and Admiral Ackbar says it's a trap and you see right. more star destroyers than stars behind you. Yes, hundreds. Okay, maybe not hundreds. Lots of them. Yeah. And at the end, uh, so we destroy the second Death Star. The Rebel fleet, which had like what six capital ships, maybe. Um, uh, but a couple of them were taken down. Sure. remember the gun came up took oh yeah down a so they're yeah, yeah. they're damaged but that's most of the rebel fleet um and we're led to believe well i mean so we have to assume that the majority of those star destroyers were not destroyed in the battle because they there's no way they would have all been destroyed by such a tiny rebel fleet mm-hmm. which means they either turn tail immediately which seem they either ran or they all went over to the rebel alliance at once which seems odd to me but, so let's assume my, my read of this is post-Death Star 2, immediately after, the Empire is reeling because the Death Star has been destroyed, Palpatine's dead, Vader's dead. There's Only a by rumor. Power, there's a power vacuum at the top, which leads to this sort of conference that Rey is having. Mm-hmm. But at least the Imperial Starfleet is still alive. Except it's not. So we get into this book, and we find that the Empire is reduced to running around the outer rim for supplies because they've the new republic has taken so much territory except the Mm -hmm. new republic doesn't have coruscant which is the home of the empire as we see through various interludes we have mentions from ray about how being very cautious because she's got three star destroyers above akiva and even if she called in the Ravager, another Super Star Destroyer, the last one, and the rest of the fleet she apparently controls, the New Republic fleet is apparently far larger and could destroy them at once. What happened in three months such that the Empire is apparently reduced to skulking about the Outer Rim? Steven? Yet, I'm sorry, I'm... Should I stop? No, it's okay. No, 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 no. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I cut you off a little bit too soon. I was just going to come back with a standard answer. Someone's going to look at you and say, it's the suspension of disbelief. No, I... Easy no. answer. No, and I understand where you're coming from. It is very frustrating because you have a total point. Because even the seat of the New Republic that Mamothra is trying to set up isn't... And I agree, it's not on Coruscant. It's on our home planet. Which is... 
So this is something the Legends universe I thought did very well. It the episode six is not the end of the war. It is nope. the turning point of the war. It is the moment the Repu- Rebel Alliance ceased being a bunch of rebels and became a like an actual government actual fighting force. And we get right. lots of good pieces on that in the interludes, which I want to talk about later. But the key is there's then a whole series about uh, I think it's about uh, eight years. I no four. I think it's about four to five years. Don't quote me on this. No, maybe it's six. I don't know. Basically until about a year after Thrawn, two years after Thrawn, where the Rebel Alliance and the, sorry, the New Republic and the Empire still locked in combat over the galaxy. The New Republic is winning and taking territory and winning planets and winning ships. But the key is that there's still fights going on. Mm -hmm. And this, the book cover even says like, ah, yes, the war continues. But there's like the book gives me no reason to believe the war is happening. It it you know, really really bothered me. The only explanation that I can I'm deducing from this is that, as happened in the expanded universe, the leadership of the empire is completely imploded, and we've got the empire splitting up into a group of warlords, as we saw then, and we kind of get hinted at here, mm-hmm. and that the group we're meeting is a small portion mm. of that. Interesting. Right. That, that could be possible. Uh, that is... I, I, mean, I, got, ex- I mean, I did get the impression that, like, they were kind of either... Much of their... Many of their forces were destroyed at Endor. They lost their, 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 their emperor their, and their second-in-command. They lost many, many senior leaders. Uh, they lost a superstar destroyer, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I know I don't know if you mentioned this already, but I know it's another annoyance of yours, um, Stephen. The number of super star destroyers left in the galaxy. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get, yeah, yeah. Uh, being, I think you're the biggest super star destroyer fan out there. Um, but I, I did get the sense that you know it's right after Endor. The the galaxy is in this crazy state. The uh, the Empire is still around for sure, but they're kind of taking a step back either because they've split up into these various you know, groups of warlords or they've just lost so much. Uh, again, you know, there's a big question of, okay, why didn't they have resources in other parts of the galaxy? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, maybe a month after, they just, they haven't been able to attack full force yet. Right? They're They're still... They're still regrouping um, and, and and trying to get their resources together. And everybody's infighting so much that they can't really make progress. And that's why this summit is called. Yeah, it still bothers me. Yeah, it, it's it's. A I feel like I don't have the best explanation, of four but people. I feel like I don't have the perfect explanation, but I have to imagine that the story group has thought through this in depth. I have to imagine. I, I don't. Yeah, but, I don't feel like I have the best explanation. Maybe rereading the book a second time will give me some clarity. Uh, I do want to do that once I finish my stack of other five Star Wars books to read after the five that I've already finished in the last three weeks. Um, but uh, but I, I I feel like that's that's the state of the galaxy at this point. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's 
dead. So let's assume for a moment that there is something else in the galaxy going on. And as with many of the interludes, that leads me to say, why didn't we get a book about that? Okay, then why is it... Okay, is it possible the reason why we're getting the interludes... Because that also kind of bothered me a little bit too. Are they setting up for the second book? That's why we got these little interludes. Because there was a little oh. interlude in... in well, no, no way. I, I, I got to bring this part up because I was talking to a friend of mine today about this. There was a little interlude within this book that mentioned these kids that were part of the rebel network that were running information. And to me, it reminded me of the little rascals. Okay. Where did that come from? It was like this really quick thing that better be explored in the second book. Well, it actually, they, telling, showed up, they showed up twice. They had two yeah. interludes that were about them. Okay, but but here's the thing. I, I've said this many, 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 many times. If you call attention to something, there better be a payoff. So it better be a payoff in the second book. If they mention these little group, this little group, the second twice, there better be something about it in the second book, because that that's another thing about this that there better be payoffs. There better be a way to say, okay, you've got these big four with with Ray that are trying to figure out what's going on with the galaxy, yet it was hinted that there are these other little warlords going on out there and they're scattered to the outer rim. There better be a payoff to all this in the second book or going into the third book to tie everything together. Because right now it seems like they're setting the groundwork, which is what this book was supposed to do, but it's leaving open a bunch of questions. Oh yeah. To try and figure out how it's all going to be moving forward and to yeah. get us to episode seven. They definitely do not intend to answer all the questions. They're, they're setting up the state of the new galaxy at this point. Um, I think the I think the, I think I the think, reality but, is that for most of the novels we get, they're not going to be telling uh, g- the giant you know galaxy changing events anymore, like the Yuuzhan Vong or you know and, uh, and, something like that, or the the Thrawn trilogy. We're not going to get okay. those anymore as much as I would love to, because you know that's going to probably going to be reserved for the movies. Um, and you, that you, is my exact problem with not just this book but every book i've read from the new canon all of it feels so like it doesn't necessarily okay, need to be it. huge i don't mind if the galaxy is more or less the same at the end of the series as at the beginning but like del uh not delray bantam did that all the time the issue is it's hard to care about any of these books when it never feels like anything interesting is happening like and- so we got an in- so we'll talk about this again more later. We got an interlude talking about Han and Chewie going to save Kashyyyk from the Empire. Yep. That yep. sounds awesome. Yeah, yep. like it really does. It really does. I would right. love to read that book. Oh, never mind. Yeah, and and what's gonna what's gonna bother me is I know all this stuff is gonna wrap into Episode Seven, but what bothers me is to understand what's gonna go on later. I have to read these. That's the one thing. When the one reason why I kind of get out of comics is because to get a full story, in some cases, you need to read nine books to understand what's going on. Okay, and and that's one of the reasons why I can't get into Shield is because it's tied into the movie universe. To understand what's going on in the movie universe, you've got this TV show down here. Now, in some cases, you really don't have to, but you still know that there's a tie into the movie universe. I want to sit here and read a story 
that I know it's going to be here. I know it's going to reflect what's going to happen in, in episode seven, but I don't want to sit here and read all these other little itty bitty books to understand what's going to go on in episode eight and read all these other little itty bitty 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 books to understand what's going to go on in episode nine. I want stories that can be self-contained within their own, yes, it's within the Star Wars universe, but runs parallel that can run parallel but not directly tie into what's going on up here. And I think what's bothering, what, what got me with this is, it's true. It's really cool. Hey, we're going to go save Kashyyyk. Great. Stops. Squirrel! Hey, there's these kids running around. That's this really cool little network. Squirrel! That kind of stuff is frustrating. When you want to read a book, you give me this great nugget, and you're totally thrown off to something else and this is so this is what i think the second book and what is this trilogy actually going to be called is it the aftermath trilogy uh it's not clear it, yeah i would just yeah the chuck Wendig trilogy the aftermath trilogy whatever you want to however you want to refer to where it. i think it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the second book because yep, I this agree. thing with ray and her mysterious master that's interesting that's okay, and really it's, interesting and but another I, thing, they have to no, pay, ahead, they have sorry. to build off of it and make it something that that has to be what the book's about. Yeah, there has to be a payoff because the other thing I found interesting, mentioning the interludes, which I just saw, that very interesting thing is the disciples of Darth Vader on Terrace. Okay, that is interesting. Okay, are these people force sensitive? Are they not force sensitive? Yeah. Okay, is it's like are they are they a quote unquote lost tribe? Well, let's let, I mean, somehow... let's let's dive into the inter, interludes real quick and we'll come back to the the overall plot if that's all right sure uh yeah. tom you met up the one on t- this this scene on terrace please continue first of all i'd love that they include terrace from the the yeah. old republic thank you uh i just you know it, it I, I find it fascinating because isn't it they were questioning was this the lightsaber is this the lightsaber and then there's the whispering back and forth between the quote-unquote disciples. Okay, is this what what kind of disciple of Darth Vader are they? Are they, you know, is that lightsaber there? Are they the ones that get the lightsaber to whoever it is that's going to give it to Leia? Okay, is this a different lightsaber? Let's say just for you know an argument's sake, it could be part of Darth Maul's lightsaber. They don't know who they know Darth Vader. They don't know what his lightsaber is. They somehow are sold a bill of goods that hey, this could be Darth Maul's lightsaber. You know, give me that story. You know, if you're setting something up, pay it off. Please pay it off in the second book. Don't make it another interlude for the second book and pay it off in the third book. Sure, sure. You know. I mean, I think I, I, just, I don't know if the interludes are supposed to be setting up what's going to happen in the next book. I think um, I would hope I, the inter. No, no, no. I think honestly, the setup is at the end with um, uh, with Nora. I think the interludes here are supposed to give us a taste of the galaxy because you know we've seen so much of the expanded universe and we have so many questions about what's the galaxy like now. Uh, mm-hmm. They want to kind of give you this little tour of the galaxy and and just kind of like you know. Poke it on different people's lives and see how things are going, just to get a taste. It's it's not supposed to be a, a, a whole thing. It's supposed to kind of whet your appetite and be like, oh, I, I can't wait to learn more about this galaxy, right? And get you excited. Uh, whether or not you know it's it comes off 
as more of a, a, a tease and being, you know, uh, more frustrating, I, you know, depends on the person. Um, mm-hmm. But we got a bunch of, of these things. So we got these Darth Vader uh, disciples on Terrace, basically. And uh, they're obsessed with Darth Vader's lightsaber and they go and buy it. They, they think at least they, they bought Darth Vader's lightsaber. We don't know for sure. And you start to wonder, okay, well, how do the, I forget their exact name, but how does this group, uh, you know, what, what does it mean? Are they, are they tied in with the Knights of Ren and, and Kylo Ren and the Force Awakens? Um, I don't know, right? Uh, we've got Han and Chewie attempting to free Kashyyyk. That sounds like a freaking awesome story uh, that I just want to learn more about. And they're kind of going rogue against the New Republic's wishes. Um, we've got, you know, the New Republic Senate in session and, and they're, they're talking about the, how the galaxy works. And we, we find out that Mon Mothma is indeed the, um, you know, the, the, the head of the state. She's the, she's the chancellor. Um, and you've got... Actually, so I wanted to talk about these ones. Yeah. A little bit. Please. So we get, this is one of the ones that I, these were the interludes I really liked. Okay. You're right that they, they painted the galaxy perfectly. These little bits and pieces talking about, oh, the New Republic is bringing, uh, you know, is bringing in a new session, or sorry, the sorry, the New Republic Senate is having its first big session on Chandrilla. Mon mm-hmm. Mothma is the chancellor and wants the war to stop. But the ones that really got me was I don't even know what the character's name was. She was some like PR woman essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she makes a comment like, "What are you doing trying to parade the Imperial prisoners in front of me? That's not who the New Republic is. We are not the Empire." And mm-hmm. I just I loved it was a perfect interlude. Like this is the line that we're drawing this is what the, the galaxy is trying to build yeah and then that struggle as they as they make decisions and they're like you know is this uh and they start to question themselves are we going to become the empire if we do this um there's there, there's another scene where mon mothma decides that um uh at one point uh as soon as they can officially confirm the end of the galactic civil war they're going to cut their military by like 90 percent uh, mm-hmm. there that's harsh yeah we, we find out that uh mon mothma um still has the emergency this is fascinating to me she still has the emergency powers that jar jar granted palpatine in revenge of the sith uh, and, 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 and attack of the clones right uh sorry attack of the clones he's apparently it's the new republic it's a different government but in their mind, that power transferred over between governments. And so Mon Mothma can still do whatever she wants with these emergency powers that originally Palpatine had received. It's fascinating to me uh, the way this, this works. Uh, and so it was really cool to get these, these little hints at, at how, the, uh, how the galaxy is doing from a political standpoint. And that, you know, you've got... Uh, you know, there's not not many senators from uh, the outer rim because I guess the empire still maintains control out there, which mm-hmm. you'd almost think it'd be the inverse. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> but but by the way, by the way, just to give you a heads up, I found the the name of these um, the people who disciple of Darth Vader. Uh, it says, "What are you? You are no Jedi," and it reads, "We are appar- uh, adherents." She hisses, Acolytes of the Beyond. Ah. And then it comes back, Fanatics of the Dark Side are just children who want to play with toys. toys. And then Judge Us Not, Thief. So yeah, they're called Acolytes of the Beyond. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. So, have uh, 
so I don't know. I, I really, really, really enjoyed that uh, that interlude. Yeah. The other one I thought was really interesting to me was the uh, uh, we get it, one of the last ones is a scene on Jakku, and I just really appreciate a guy shows up to Jakku. His wife and kid were killed by the Empire or during a fight, and he's he's talking to the bartender. He's like, the bartender's like, why are you? And he's like, I just want to go somewhere. There's no war. Which is mm-hmm. funny because we know there's going to be a massive battle massive at the war. at Jakku. Yes, which I, I enjoyed. We we so we get we get all these actually. So we get the we get the interlude on uh, interlude on Jakku. We get uh, I'm actually so I'm going to look here um, so just so I don't forget all the interludes. Um, our good friend Pete uh, wrote up a bunch of the interludes and uh, in a quick summary form. So we're going to look through these real quick. It looks like there's 15 of them. Uh, there is a, really? yeah, he said there's, there's 15 interludes. Um, I'm just looking at oh, his, that's right. I just they searched for his, like, his looking, list. Uh, I'd forgotten. Looking. Had his. Um, so there's, there's like an interview on Seleucamai. That's what it was. Cut Lacane. Uh, we get, you know, we find out what happens to Cut. Um, we get, uh, you know, an interlude on Coronet in Corellia with Dengar and, uh, you know, possibly like a bounty hunter's guild. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. I remember the Dengar one. That there's oh yeah, there's the the tattoo. Oh hey, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait! Before we leave, the Dengar one is a very interesting potential yes. callback to the bounty hunters guild series, yes. which we got one of the first yes. sets of EU novels. Yes, and uh, and there's a there's Sheriff Cobb Vance um, scene on Tatooine when he goes oh, into the cantina and buys. Some scarred Mandalorian armor that's been through acid. <clears throat> I wonder what that could be from. Oh well. And have so that would have been interesting have to see all the speculation on, because uh, I've seen people say one of two things. Uh, so, some say, "Well, that confirms Boba Fett's alive," and other people say that confirms Boba Fett's dead. <laughs> So that, that, that well, was wait a minute. Have you? Sorry. Have you seen one of the toys that have come out? I was one of the toys that came out on, on the the Force Friday. It was the Constable character. Somebody took that character and a Boba Fett action figure and lined them up side by side and tried to make comparisons. That color wise, armor wise, well not armor wise, but color wise, that that Boba Fett armor was turned into this character. Or this character's armor, or whatever. It's the one that's got the 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 hat like Embo. Yeah, so that that very well could be could be him. Uh, but that's such a waste of Mandalorian armor. I'm sorry. Maybe it'll be pretty cool. Who knows? It'll be pretty uh, cool, but it's a waste of Mandalorian armor. There's a there's an interlude on Bespin where we get ties into the uh, the the game Star Wars Uprising, and it's got Lando and Lobot. Uh, there's the one uh, we talked about with Hanachui already. Uh, there's uh, the kids, huh? Yeah, the kids. Um, there's just a bunch of really, really cool accolades. Uh, not, sorry, not accolades. Um, interludes. 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 I, I read the word accolades here. Accolades and beyond. A uh, bunch of really cool interludes, and I really, really enjoyed. You know how we kind of, you know. Go look over here and look over there and 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 honestly, like a lot of those, I would have. I wish we could have 
entire stories on each one of these for the most part. And I think okay, so but, uh, many small details that that are are hidden in the book, just just waiting for people to to notice and, and get excited about. Okay, and and I'll agree. Some of the interludes worked. Okay, the one you brought up about Dengar, that one to me felt great. That was like, you know what? You told a great little story. That was great to see. I felt like it was done. The 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 guy at the end where he's in Jakku, okay, that felt it was done. But then it was the okay, there's the squirrel moment. These, you know, the the, the kids, you know, the little rascal kids running around. It's like I understand the looking and seeing, hey, there's a little snippet, but it seemed like it just ended there was no ending you want to know more about it you know the dengar one had a great ending to it where it's like i could i could understand that the jakku one you know it was a great ending the han and chewie one like you said that's a great story i want to hear i want to hear more of it you know if you're going to tell a little bit tell it like a little you know condensed story and then just okay you're done and move on not like don't leave us hanging so that's my opinion i've stopped yeah, yeah. so i i think overall the interludes are probably my favorite part of the book, um, but it was uh, it was still enjoyable. I mean, the, the main plot's still still interesting, and that's where we get a lot of the imperial uh, behind the scenes, really. Uh, so, do you want to run through the plot real quick? I feel like we've touched on a lot of things, but the, the, the yep. core plot we haven't really. Yeah, let's let's run through the core plots. So. For a variety of reasons, all of our heroes have ended up on the planet of Akiva. Uh, Nora is returned there to pick up her son, Temin, who lives there. Simple. Uh, Jass is there to take out a Imperial target um, and collect a bounty for the New Republic. Sinjir, I think, is just trying to go somewhere the Empire isn't going to bother him. I think he's just trying to hide. I think that was his main. I think that was his main thing throughout this whole book until. Until he kind of turned. Well, he just wanted to hide. Yep. And through a variety of events, they all end up captured by Surat, the local gangster. They team up, and that's... Uh, so they team up, decide to work together to fulfill Jass's bounty. Uh, Jass and Shinjir are partnered, and Shinjir is going to take 25% of the bounty. And mm-hmm. Temin's going to take another, like, 15% of his bounty, of Sinjir's cut. And Nora gets looped into it because, oh, it's Imperials. You should take them out because you're a rebel. Well, and then on top of that, they had Wedge. Well, and Wedge is just captured. And yeah. she's trying well, to capture she, she Oh, that's went, right. Sorry. And she's trying to rescue yeah. Wedge. Yeah, she's trying to rescue Wedge. And I feel like by the time they actually agreed to, to go after the Empire, that's, like, two-thirds of the way through the book, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually one of my issues with the main plot is I felt like the older Star Wars books would have done this entire book in like the first hundred pages. But that's just me. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was kind of, yeah. I mean, Akiva itself was, I didn't find all that interesting. Uh, it was more just the, the location for everything that, that goes on. Um, I mean, we talked about the the Empire meeting. Um, we've got the uh, the bounty hunter coming in, Jasamari, to try to um, to take out um, what's his I, name? Wasn't she, there? Uh, she was there to take oh, out Arson uh, Crassus. That's right, Crassus. Uh, so she was there to kill Crassus and ends up deciding, oh, I can I can take out more than just Crassus. I can take out multiple uh, Imperial officers. Um, 
and so she ends up, you know, kind of biding her time, and uh, uh, Nora comes home to to visit her family, and ends up getting caught up in this whole adventure with her her son, who has kind of made a a name for himself uh, in the the weapons business and everything, and kind of on the streets, uh, surviving for himself. I think he's supposed to be like fourteen. Uh, which seemed a little bit young, uh, but he's, I guess, a smart kid. Uh, kids are really smart and young in the in Star Wars. Um, and uh, they kind of end up all together and decide to to go after the the Imperials. And then, of course, we get the big betrayal from Temin because it finds out that what what exactly what can I remember exactly his motivation? He was he, told so- that. He talked to Surratt, and he said, okay, I'll give you the bounty hunter and the Imperial loyalty officer. You give me my mom and Mr. Bones, and we go our separate ways. Yes. And we stay on the planet. That was his motivation. And then Surratt realizes that he's just lost a bunch of intelligence on the Empire. And okay, like, my one chance is to turn over the rebels to the Empire. And so he does. And he lets the kid walk. And he lets the kid, well... No, he, no, they throw him off. Uh, well, in a, a way, castle. yes, yes, they throw him off the castle. But technically, I know they throw him off. But he technically let the kid walk. I mean, because he did fight. He didn't want to do it. But hey, an agreement's an agreement. You're gone. I get what I want. Right. That. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So. I mean, basically, I, I think we summed up the book right there. We, I think, I think, as a discussion for the book, the setting, the interludes, the characters, uh, I really don't think there's much more to talk about. I think oh, we well, basically I, did, just summed did, it up. I think was, uh, one thing we missed though was the operator. Oh, that's uh, right. So Akbar. We didn't talk about that part. Oh. Yeah. So okay. Akbar spends a lot of the book trying to figure out what's going on on Akiva and what sort of forces to commit, and one of his sources of information is the operator. A mysterious source who's he's not sure he can trust, but has been uh, accurate thus far. And we find out, or I think it's implied at the very end, Ray confronts her uh, admiral about, hey, I looked in the logs. Someone was talking to the rebels on an encrypted channel. And Mm. I think the implication is that the admiral was the one who was the operator, setting some really big trap for the New Republic. Well, wait a minute. Was he setting a new trap? Was he setting a trap for the New Republic, or was he setting a trap to basically take care of the people that Ray brought to the planet Akiva? Because remember, well, this she- is where this is where it's a Thrawn sort of thing. So he takes care of the weakness in the Empire on Akiva, and right. he establishes trust in the New Republic as the operator, such that for some point in the future, book two or book three, he can betray them and have a you know, success. A big win for the Empire. So that's why I would love this to be Thrawn, but I, for me, if it was him, the, the Telegraph would have been Timothy Zahn writing the book. Well, yeah, I, but it's not. Yeah, I know it's not. So. And, and yeah, and that's why, that's why it's like you want it to be Thrawn. It's, but, either way, it's a strategy. It's a clearly a strategic move for this mysterious character, I think. Right. Right. So, yep. When does when does the second book in this quote unquote trilogy come out? I believe it's next year. Yeah, it's not until after the Force Awakens. 
Yeah, we're a year away. Fascinating. So. Yeah. Then you're, now, you're almost getting, you're getting a payoff after the movie. Yes. When this is supposed to be a build up, when this is supposed to be a build up to the Force Awakens. Well, really, there's, there's lots of hints, and and I think uh, I don't think the one thing we talked about is the Grand, uh, the Admiral at the end. Uh, some believe he could be um, uh, Snoke, Snoke, Supreme Leader Snoke from the uh, the First Order. Uh, who knows? Don't really know at this point, but. It very well could be. Yep. So that, uh, do we want to go into a review? I know that this book is so massive. There's so many details that I, I feel like there's no way we could cover everything. Um, no, we can't. But uh, we'll, no, keep, I, we'll keep discussing stuff. I, and we, I think we touched on the big points. I think I I'm think, ready for ratings. I agree. I'm, I'm good for it. Um, Stephen, why don't you go first? Yeah, I guess I probably earned that by saying I was ready. <laughs> um, I could go first. No, no, I think I can do it. So, the writing took a little bit of getting used to. I thought the main plot was engaging enough to get me to read it once, but it's never something I think I would revisit. I enjoyed the book. It just, it it failed to wow me. And I really wanted to be wowed. Um, It did give us our first look at the post-Return of the Jedi universe, though. And even at that, it did a decent job ignoring the weird continuity things I've pointed out. Um, and I really, really like Sloane. And I have high hopes for that character. Perhaps we'll see her in The Force Awakens. Or at least I can hope. Um, so I think... <clears throat> excuse me. I think I'm going to have to give this uh, 6 out of 10 Womp Rats. And... Well, I'm trying to think what should I do with my Womp Rats. I think I'm just going to give them to Mr. Bones. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. okay. I'll go next. I, I, I'll go next. I, I, okay. You know what? I think once I understood how to read the book, I did enjoy it. Steven, I definitely agree with you. I would not read this book again. I, this is one that is going to be, I've read it. I don't think I need to revisit it. It will probably sit on the shelf. Um, I do like, I like Sloan. I think the interesting thing is going to be, the payoff for me is going to be, who's that Who's that guy at the end? I want to know who that is. I would like to have seen some more things pay off, especially some of the little, little interludes. I think the fascinating thing is the acolytes, are they going to be showing up in the Force Awakens? At for any kind of thing is uh, is this a you know offshoot of the Knights of um, whatever God? My brain is it's just is this going to be an offshoot? Okay, um, I'm giving this book a six as well. I don't think I can go any higher. I am going to take my Womp Rats and I think I'm just going to let them. Um, Wander aimlessly on the planet Akiva and find that underground city and let them get attacked by the, which is one thing we didn't talk about. It was the old droid factory underneath the city, the Ugteen. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Cool. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I enjoyed the book. The, The book was not... 
when I heard Aftermath, I thought it was going to be a little bit bigger, more like a Truce of Akura or something where, you know, you've got this bigger battle right after the events of Aftermath. There really was no, no giant space battle. There was no big war. It was really a smaller tale about a, a couple people on a planet trying to, uh, to stop these, these Imperials uh, and kind of how the, the galaxy is at this point with nice little interludes looking at characters. I think the interludes are my favorite, as I said. Uh, yep. I love some of the, the hints. There's some great references as well. One thing we didn't talk about, um, Wedge actually drops a Fulcrum reference. Apparently there oh, was a mission right. where he broke his mm-hmm. leg in cra- while crashing an A-wing and uh, he meets Fulcrum. And uh, I don't know. I wonder if we'll get Wedge in an episode of Star Wars Rebels at some point. Uh, potentially uh, cool. It would be okay. With I don't. It could be pretty cool. Uh, so and I also the one I think we forgot. Uh, Dex's Diner made a reference. Uh, made an appearance. Yeah. Uh, actually, which was which was pretty great. Uh, and some thirteen thirteen stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, I enjoyed the book. The writing style I thought was unique and interesting. Uh, not always perfect, but uh, kind of a refreshing change. Um, what I did not like is that the, the you know the plot wasn't as big. There wasn't necessarily something as exciting. I kept reading. Uh, the thing that kept me going and not you know, wanting to keep reading was you know wanting to find out what happens uh, just overall in the state of the galaxy because I'm just a big Star mm-hmm. Wars fan. But also these little hints that interludes. The, uh, you know, oh, I wonder if this will be, you know, playing a key role later, or connections to the past, and less the plot itself. So as a big Star Wars fan, um, I thought that was interesting. If you're not as much of a Star Wars fan, I I don't know. I wonder if those would be enough to keep you going. Uh, overall, though, very enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to the next book from uh, from Chuck Wendick uh, and seeing where he, uh, where he takes it in the second novel. So uh, overall, I think we're actually going a little bit higher and give it seven point five stars, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my uh, my Womp Rats, and uh, I'm gonna give them to the uh, to the Imperial loyalty officer actually because these Womp Rats are not very loyal to the Empire. Well, they will be when he's done. Yeah. So. Are are you giving them to him to keep him company because that way when he's drowning his sorrows in you know in a bar. They could be like six, you know, seven and a half Womp Rats next to them, all of them drowning their sorrows in a bar? It's not quite clear. Okay. We'll, we'll see what he decides to do. Okay. So. Okay. So, yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, next. Wow. Um, you know, I suspect our next review will probably be, uh, I mean, there's some new short stories in the Rise of the Empire book. With um, uh, a new Don Tarkin and uh, 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 yeah, it was just Tarkin and a new Don uh, and some three short stories. And then the three shorts. But uh, the big one, the big one is uh, the next episode of Star Wars Rebels, which comes out soon. So that'll probably be our next Woo-hoo. episode. Yeah, I can't wait. Cannot uh, wait for the next season. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be really good, really good, and uh, can't wait. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. 
Visit our website, ioncanoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.